Good morning and welcome to the River of Life Sunday Morning Podcast. If you're local to Wakulla County, we'd love to see you and worship with you in person. Our Sunday morning services begin at 9 and 11 o'clock. May God bless you and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, I'm excited about being here today. Yeah. And first of all, I would like to thank my pastor, Rocky Russell, for giving me this opportunity. <laughs> my pastor. I love saying that. Wow, there's a, there's a freedom in saying that. And, uh, and I'd also like to say what an amazing job I think he's doing as our new lead pastor. Thank you, Pastor Rocky. I believe God has been getting him ready for this assignment since the day he was born. And I also believe, with all my heart, I believe that River of Life has some great and wonderful days ahead. And God has sent us just the right man to lead us. Well, before I get started, have any of you been the victim of mask shaming? Yeah, you have. I have too. Now, listen, I understand that a lot of people are not wearing masks today, and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I think there are some age groups and some people who don't have any pre-existing conditions, and if they don't want to wear masks, that's fine with me. But for some of us older folks that are having some physical problems, uh, we're still wearing our mask, aren't we? I, I went into a place of business in Wakala County this past week, and a man walked up to me. I had my mask on, and I, I, I tried to keep my hands disinfected. And a man walked up to me and stuck his hand out like that. And when he did, I just did my fist like that. And he looked at me, and he said, saw him, he said, Oh, so you're a bumper. <laughs> so he said, You're a bumper. I said, yes, I guess I'm a bumper. And then he looked up at my mask and didn't say anything, but just had that strange look in his face. And he said, well, for me, he said, I just want you to know I'm trusting in the Lord. What do you, how, how do you respond to that? How do you respond to that? I couldn't think of anything else. This probably wasn't the right thing to say, but I, I finally said, well, maybe one day I'll get to that point where I can trust the Lord also. <laughs> that was about the only thing I knew to say. Well, church, let me go ahead and confess. I am a bumper. I still wear my mask when I go into public places. I take a low-dose aspirin every day when I can remember. I take my blood pressure medication. I go see my doctor on a regular basis. And on top of that, I am trusting in the Lord my God. You see, I, for one, believe common sense and trust in God actually go together. What I'm trying to say is I'm not going to pick up a rattlesnake to prove my faith. And I'll tell you something else I believe. I believe when, uh, when the, the best understanding we have and the best medical science we have, when the best we have is not good enough, I believe sometimes our God steps in, intervenes, and does something for which there is no other explanation except divine intervention. And this would be a good place for me to tell you, because many of you have been praying for me. My doctor's been telling me for a year and a half my cancer's coming back, and it may be. But I know a few weeks ago I 
met down front with some folks at noontime prayer, and they anointed me with oil and prayed for me. I went and had a PET scan. My doctor sent me to get a PET scan to see if they could locate the cancer. My, the nurse called me back a couple of days later and said, no cancer detected. And so I, yeah, yeah. So if you think I'm in a good mood today, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. Now, today I want to share with you a prophecy that was given 3,000 years ago by the prophet Isaiah. And the neat thing about the prophecy that I'll share with you is this. It started being fulfilled 2,000 years ago. Some of it has been fulfilled in the last 100 years. Some of it is being fulfilled right now. And some of it will be fulfilled in the near future. What it does, this prophecy lets us in on the great victory that's in store for those of us who have put our faith and love and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to pull it up on the board, and I'm not going to tell you where it's found. And even if you know where it's found, I hope you won't turn to it. I want to just quote it. Because I want you to hear it, perhaps like the people heard it from Isaiah the first time it came out of his mouth. This is what the prophet Isaiah said. There shall come forth a rod out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord will set his hand the second time to recover the remnant of his people who were left from Assyria and Egypt, from Pathros and Cush, from Elam and Shinar, from Hamath and the islands of the sea. He will set up a banner 
for the nations and assembled the outcast of Israel and gathered together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And in that day, you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day, you will say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his deeds among the peoples. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, all that can be found in Isaiah, the 11th and 12th chapter. But I have to tell you, I love that prophecy because it ends with cry out and shout. Oh, inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. Now, let's look at the prophecy itself. Have you ever seen where somebody cut down a tree and all that's left is a stump and it looks like it's dead? Uh, it, it looks like it's completely dead. There's no life in it. There's no hope for that tree anymore. And then one day you walk by that stump and there it is. A living, green, vibrant branch has come forth out of the side of that stump. Did you know our Savior is called the branch? Did you know in several passages of Scripture, the Bible refers to Jesus as the branch, my servant, the branch? Well, friends, that's exactly what the prophet Isaiah was saying. Isaiah was saying God's plan of redemption, God's plan of salvation at times may look like it has been cut off. It may look like it has been cut down. It may look like there's no hope. But Isaiah was saying one day hope will spring forth from the roots of God's plan. And a Messiah, a Savior will emerge. And what a Savior he will be. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and counsel. The, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. What a Savior. See, Isaiah was saying he will be qualified in every way to be the all-sufficient Savior of the world. He will be the champion of the poor and the meek of the earth. He will be a glorious hiding place for those who seek him and find him. And in the end, we may not like to talk about this, but this is what the word says. In the end, he will slay the wicked with the breath of his lips. Not only will he heal and save and restore those who seek him and trust him and live for him, but according to the Bible, he will restore all of nature itself. He will bring the natural world back into harmony and beauty and something breathtaking. I know we seem to be going through a hard time, but if you've ever looked at the world and thought things are never going to get better, 
There's no hope. Well, friends, you'd be wrong because things are going to get better. I can tell you they will get better. It's a promise in the Word of God. You see, this world is headed for a beautiful place. It's headed for a place of peace. It's headed for a place of harmony. It's headed for a place beyond our comprehension. Listen one more time. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. And it talks about the bear and the cobra and the vipers. You see, Isaiah was saying, there is coming a day when domestic animals and wild animals and little children will play together in harmony. Can you imagine being in the kitchen? Somebody says, where's the baby? You look out the back window and say, it looks like he's out there playing with a leopard. Oh, he's got a cobra and a rattlesnake too. He's playing with them. Okay, he's just having fun. Oh, friends, this is the word of God. This is, we, we get so involved in the here and now that we take our eyes off the eternal promises of our holy God. One day when our Savior has finished his work. Now listen to me. Jesus has already finished the work of purchasing our salvation. But his work, as far as the overall redemptive plan, is not finished. Friends, one day when the Messiah has finished what the Bible says he will do, there will be peace on earth. There will be perfect, wonderful, glorious peace and harmony. No more ungodly racism. No more insane politics. Have you had enough already? I, I tell you, I can't hardly stand it anymore. My goodness. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's crazy. No more senseless killing. Did you know in the major cities in America, they, the, somebody just looked at it and crunched some numbers, and they say in the major cities in America this year, Homicides are up 16% as an average through the major cities. If you're not living in a major city, God bless you. You are, you are blessed. N no more violence. No more hurting one another. Did you see on the news this past week where a five-year-old little girl in Chicago, I saw her picture, beautiful, looked like an angel. A five-year-old girl was stabbed to death. Stabbed to death. Who does that? Well, what kind of country do we have? What's going on in America? What's wrong with us? Well, friends, I want to tell you, I can give you the answer right now. It's not the Democrats. It's not the Republicans. What's wrong with America is America decided somewhere down the line that we don't need God anymore. Now, I'm not talking about you and I'm not talking about me, but I'm talking about America as a whole. We don't need God and we don't want God anymore. May God have mercy on us. May God have mercy. Hey, a, a brother in this church just got called up for jury duty when he was questioned about his judgment. He said, my judgment runs parallel with the word of God. And when I vote, when I take a stand, it will be according to the word of God. You know what the judge said? You're out of here. 
You can't serve on this jury. We don't want God anymore. Oh, friends. Friends, I, I'm, I'm telling you, th- this, is, this is sad. This is sad. Can you imagine the Messiah when he finishes his work? Isaiah says there will be harmony. There will be peace. There will be glory. No more chaos. No more confusion. No more insanity. Uh, no, no more of this stuff. Why? Because the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Oh, friends. Oh, friends. Now, I I wish I had time to develop the whole prophecy for you, but I don't. So what I want to do is I want to point out one verse that uh, stands out to me. Here it is. Uh, it's, and we'll pull this one up, Isaiah eleven ten. I want you to see this, Isaiah eleven ten. This is what it says. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place, say it with me, shall be glorious. Man, what a prophecy. So I want to ask you, this part is talking about us right now. We are Gentiles, right? So it's talking about us. So I'm asking you, have you found that resting place of glory? I think a lot of Christians use a lot of excuses for why they are not happy and living in victory and enjoying the joy of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord. I'm asking you, have you found that place that Isaiah was talking about? By the way, it's not just in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. Did, did you know that there is a verse in the New Testament that tells us that when people find that place, that divine place of salvation, that place in the Lord, it says that they will be, they will rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Is that an exaggeration? Is it, was that just the man of God embellishing and exaggerating or is that the truth? You see, Isaiah said there's a place of glory. In the New Testament, we find that those who find it, we're told that it'll be so glorious, it'll be unspeakable. They, they won't even be able to explain it with their words. There's another place in the New Testament that says that those who find this place that Isaiah was talking about, that that they will move from glory to glory. That they'll, they'll live in one glorious place, and when they leave that place of glory, they'll go to another place of glory. And when we leave that glorious place, they'll go to another glory. They'll live from glory to glory. Glory, glory here, glory, glory there, here a glory, there a glory, everywhere a glory. Yes. Better than anything old MacDonald ever had on his farm. Better than anything that you can find in this whole wide world. In fact, if we could make that statement better, it would be this. Not only will they move from glory to glory, but God's hand will be leading them, moving them from glory to glory. To higher glory, to higher glory, 
being conformed into the image of our dear Savior. Oh, friends, this is good stuff. Glory. Are you living in glory? Do you have this kind of glory? Because I got to tell you, that's what the Bible talks about. Now, you may be looking at me thinking, Pastor, what planet are you living on? That's not a description of Christianity. Oh, friends, well, well, it's not a description of something you'll find in this world. But it is a description of something that God puts in our hearts. Uh, l- let, me, let me show you this. This is one of the, the great scriptures, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. It says, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give, here it is, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible talks about a place, a place of intimacy with the Lord where he puts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus in our hearts. I often wonder why it puts the face of Jesus on at the end of that. Because I think he says this glory is so glorious that it's like you're looking into the face of Jesus. Oh, friends. Have you ever known somebody like that? I tell you, I have. And I bet you have too. This past week, uh, Brother Paul Beeman almost said Pastor Paul Beeman. He, we ought to call him Pastor Paul Beeman. He's got like a worldwide ministry going on. Uh, Pastor Paul Beeman and I made a call to Pakistan. I wanted to speak. I, I asked for it to be set up because I wanted to speak to Pastor Akram, who ministers there in Pakistan, and Paul and the ministry he runs sends Bibles, and we help to support him. And, and so we spoke with him for 45 minutes and 35 seconds. That's how long the call lasted. And I just started asking him some questions. This is what I said. I said, you know, because we hear about all the bad stuff going on in these Muslim countries and how bad it is and people being killed and people being martyred and churches being attacked. And I'm not saying that stuff doesn't go on because I think it actually does go on. But I wanted to hear it from Pastor Akram. And I said, Pastor Akram, how's the government there in Pakistan? Paul sitting right there listening with me. How's the government? He said, the government is good. I said, really? He said, yeah, the, the government in Pakistan is good. He, he said, now, there have been some times in the past it wasn't good, but it's good now. When's the last time you heard somebody say in America, the government is good? Yeah, the government is good. I said, well, how about the military? How about the police? How about law enforcement? He said, oh, it's good. It's good. I said, they don't, they're not giving you any trouble? no. No, they're not giving me any trouble. He said, in fact, the other day, he said, I gave a man in the military a Bible, and he took that Bible from me and kissed it and held it and said, thank you. He said, favor of God on me. That's what he said, favor of God on me. And then he said this, and by the way, I did not tell him what I was preaching on today. He said, God shows us And this is a quote I was typing while we were listening to him. God shows us his glory in different ways. He he said this. His English is a little broken. Mighty hand of God on my life. And then he said, oh, you got to love this. We have, and I thought about how this lines up with scripture. We have the Shekinah glory of God over us 
And when we move, it moves with us. From glory to glory. Oh, I couldn't get him. Paul will testify to this. I couldn't get him to say one negative thing. Because he kept saying, grace of God, glory of God, spirit of God is with me. And it was at that moment that I realized that God had put in him what Isaiah was talking about when he talked about that place of glory, that God had put in him the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And he is living in victory. In a hostile country. Oh. I'm not trying to beat you up today or, or even myself. But isn't it time we stop making excuses? Isn't it time we believe what God's word says? Listen, there's a, a dear sweet lady in this church. I won't call her name, but she's been through a terrible rejection. She's been through terrible hardship. She's always rejoicing, always happy, always excited. And, and finally, uh, this past week, uh, uh, I saw her and I said, uh, stop just a minute. I got to quit. How, why are you always so happy? Why do you always have so much victory? Why? And this is what she said. And I, I mean, just right off the top of her head, she said, I live in the world but the world doesn't live in me. Whew. Oh, why? Because I got something from God. Uh, she was an elderly lady. She had no family. She was left alone in a nursing home. She was blind, completely blind. If you didn't know better, you would think this is a sad, sad situation. But she had something this world didn't give her, and she had something this world couldn't take away from her. She had a laughter that would make the angels sing. And as a young pastor, I would go to the nursing home. The door to her room would almost always be open. And, and she would be sitting most of the time in her rocking chair. I'd knock on the door. So help me, I wouldn't say a word. I'd just knock on the door because I knew what would happen. And the moment I knocked on the door, she would start laughing. Just laughing. And she'd say with excitement in her voice, who is it? I'd say, it's Pastor Jones. Oh, Pastor Jones, come on in. And, and she would invite me into the room. And, and she didn't do this all, every time, but sometimes she would say, come and kneel in front of my chair. There were times she'd put her hands on top of my head and pray for me. She was blind. She would feel my face. She thought I was handsome. And I, would, and I would say to her, her name was Clara, say, Miss Clara, how are you feeling? How are you doing physically? How are they treating you here? So help me, she would do this over and over again. No, no, we're not going to talk about me. I don't want to talk about me. I want to know what's going on at the church. I want to know who's being saved. I want to know who's been healed right lately. I want to know what God's doing down at the church. Oh, you see, friends, she had the glory of God in her. And that's what made the difference. I want to ask you a, a question. Do you know some people like that? Have you ever run into somebody like that? I, I, 
What's wrong with those people? Are they just weirdos? Are they? Are they just misfits? Did they somehow get stuck in a good mood? Are they just out of touch with the world and out of touch with with real everyday Christianity? Or is it possible that they have found what Isaiah prophesied? The Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. Is it possible that they went all the way with Jesus to a place of victory and glory? I've asked myself, I wonder, I wonder what would happen if we described Christianity like the Bible describes it. I've thought about this. What if we describe Christianity the way the Bible describes it? Now, we do a pretty good job of telling people how to get saved. You know, you respond to the calling of the Holy Spirit. You humble yourself. You repent. You surrender your life to the Lord Jesus. Uh, we tell people what to do in the beginning. But what, what if we told people this is how you will know that you've been born again? This is how you'll know. You'll know you've been born again when the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ explodes in your heart. You'll know you've been born again when you're experiencing glory to the point that you don't even have words to explain it. And you'll know that you've been born again Oh, you will have troubles, you will have trials, you will have tribulations, you will go through difficult times. Everybody in life does. But you will know you've been born again when glory is the number one characteristic of your life. And it just keeps following you everywhere you go. And you're on a journey. Oh, friends, I wonder if it would make a difference in our churches if that's how we describe salvation. You see, I think people would continue to walk down the aisle. I think people would continue to make professions of faith and continue to join the church and continue to be baptized. But I think if we described it that way, I believe people would stay in pursuit of an intimate relationship with Jesus. Don't be insulted when I tell you this, friends, but there is more. There's more glory. There's more I leave you with this this morning. Don't stop short of the glory of God. According to the Bible, there is a place. There is a place, a resting place. And it shall be glorious. Don't stop short. The Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. The Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you're not absolutely sure of your salvation, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer we use around this church all the time. I want to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to do this. I'm asking you to pray this prayer, but also to make a commitment that you're going to pray the prayer, 
But it won't stop there. You'll pray the prayer, and then you'll make a commitment to get on a journey that goes beyond just mundane Christianity, that you'll make a commitment to pursue the glory of God, that you will seek him and find that resting place. So would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to lead you in this prayer, and you don't have to pray it out loud, but I'd like for you to pray it if you're not absolutely. You can pray it anyway. I pray it every day. But, but if you're not absolutely sure, pray it and mean it with all of your heart. Lord Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I am sorry for my sins. I repent of my sins. Please, please forgive me. In your name, I forgive all others for what they've done against me. I renounce Satan, the evil spirits, and all their works. I give you my entire self, Lord Jesus, now and forever. I invite you into my life, Jesus. I accept you as my Lord, my God, and my Savior. Heal me. Change me. Strengthen me in body, soul, and spirit. <clears throat> Come, Lord Jesus. Cover me with your precious blood and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I shall follow you every day of my life. And right now, I make a commitment to seek and to find the glory of God. Father, I pray right now that you will bless this prayer. I pray that those who prayed it maybe for the first time will begin to experience your wonderful glory. But Father, I pray that this commitment will lead us, Lord, maybe even as a whole church, to go after the glory of God like never before. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.